0: Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message.
1: All right, well, good morning, everybody. I trust you're okay. Uh, just want to give a shout out this morning to Phil Sega. Yeah. I don't, hang on, wait. You know, there's, there's, the longer you live in life, you learn lots of things about people, uh, levels of commitment, what they're prepared to invest into a thing. Uh, how that affects them, what measure of that is sacrificial. And uh, there are times when, uh, like today, sometimes with sickness and various things, you are so short-staffed that you have one person doing it all. Screen, computer, everything, sound. Um, And uh, that person is always and is always extremely reliable. And it's one of those where you actually don't have to worry because you know that person will never let you down. So I I just want to honor Phil Sager today for, uh, he is one of those people and love greatly, appreciate you Phil, thank you so very, very much. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to uh, uh, welcome you this morning just, just to let you know we're doing something a little bit different in the sense that um, Danny felt that he had some things that he would like to share that were going on inside of him. So Chris and I encouraged him to pursue that, and we've talked. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he has sufficient to need the whole morning rather than just five minutes of, uh, you know, and we do the intermix. So I'm very happy for Danny to be doing that. Uh, this morning, and uh, I know that you'll listen and hear and, and encourage him and bless him as he uh, takes on that responsibility because uh, I know what it takes to do the whole thing very well. And so, I bless Danny. So, um, yeah, so that's going to be it this morning. So, I mean, what I would say is, uh, is what Chris and I often say to each other, which is our, which is our blessing uh, now in this present era, which is good luck in Jesus' name, Danny. Okay, good morning everybody. How are we doing? Good.
2: This is quite nerve-wracking doing this. I definitely appreciate this week how much goes into putting something together, so massive kudos to Anthony and Chris for doing this every week because, uh, yeah, it's quite nerve-wracking. But hopefully we'll have some things to think about that will add to the conversation. So, has anybody seen that movie?
0: Uh, is there any chance for any more housewife? I'd love to see some
2: more faces because they look lovely. Uh So this is a movie called A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, um, and we're going to use a few clips this morning to just help us explore the dangers of isms that we've been talking about over the past month. So a question came to mind this week, uh, just to recap, what is an ism? An ism is a belief. Anyone have any beliefs? We've all got them, yeah? Check. That have become restrictive, discriminatory, and oppressive systems. So the difference between a belief and an ism is... Especially when it becomes this restrictive system rather than just something that might be a cool idea that will help you with life. Um, have you thought yet about what your isms might be? It's really easy to come on a Sunday morning and go, oh yeah, isms, they're awful. Those people who have isms, their lives are rubbish and it ruins the world. But the point of coming this morning is to go, what, what are my isms? Do I have any? When I started to think about it, I thought, well... I can't immediately think of any, but if I rephrase it as, do I have beliefs or opinions that maybe have become a little bit concrete, set in stone? And have they become restrictive, discriminatory, or oppressive in any way? I could think, well, yeah, I can think of a few of them, because there are people in my life that I may be distanced from, because I think, ah, we don't really see the world in the same way, and I like my box the way it is, and they're not in my box. One of the dangers of seeing our world through the prism of an ism is that we start to demonise some people that we think are in the out group. And I think we start to, and this is a new word for me, angelize. I didn't know that was a word. But we kind of, rather than demonise people, we also angelize other people that seem to tick all of the boxes and are in our box. So heroes and villains, civilised and savages... Um, I think there are some people that we think, oh, I definitely don't want to be like them, but I want to aspire to be like that. And I don't think that's a problem, but I think our humanity is about saying, I'm not going to demonise people or angelize anyone, but our humanity embraces the whole story. Okay, so I want to just recap a little bit on the movie, just so to give you a bit of background. It tells the story of a cynical, hurting journalist that we saw with a funny face, Lloyd Vogel who is writing a magazine article about the beloved children's entertainer Mr. Rogers, played by Tom Hanks. Had anyone heard of Mr. Rogers? It was clearly before my time. I'd never heard of him before the movie. But he's a lovely human. Anyway, Mr. Rogers asked at the end, Have you ever felt like Lloyd does? Have you ever felt so angry you want to hurt someone or yourself? Anyone? Check. I think so. (laughs) Okay, so we all get angry. I I don't know what your experiences are with each other. The way I express anger is... "Hmm." (laughs) It's all internal for me, which actually can be a danger sometimes because one, you can think like, oh, everyone thinks I'm fine when actually you're not fine. Uh, The flip side, some of us love to get our anger out there straight away. Or maybe we don't even think about it, it's just instinctive. Anger isn't a problem, I don't think, it's how we deal with it. And I think one of the dangers of isms is they provide a belief system within which we can justify hurting people by demonizing and dehumanizing them. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Ant said, well, a lot of us say, I don't like to think of myself like that. And we don't like to think of ourselves like that. But the reality is, the less human I make you, the easier it is to mistreat you. I'm just going to say that again because I think that's really important. The less human that I make you, the easier it is to mistreat you. Um, I don't know if you realise but there was Holocaust Memorial Day was this week um, and that kind of got me thinking about genocide in general, it was a happy day Um, and I was thinking about the Rwandan genocide, I watched a video of this lady who is exactly the same age as me which was kind of freaky Um, but in 1994 when she and I were 11 she uh, had to hide basically in an underground toilet for about three months um, because her neighbours were slaughtering some of her other neighbours and her family. Um, Now what struck me about when we remember those things, it's easy to go, oh, the people that did that, they were just monsters. I think it's more powerful to go, the people that did that were human. Like they were people like me, who for some reason got to a point where they'd seen the world through this prism of an ism that they thought it was completely the best thing to do to get rid of their neighbour. I love the way the guy starts that video, hello neighbor. Uh, And I think how we see each other as neighbors is really important. So how do we get to that point of being able to perpetrate those kinds of things? Well, there's an experiment I've heard of um, that's called the Good Samaritan experiment. Does anyone know the Good Samaritan story? If you don't know, it's it's a story in the Bible that's basically about a guy who gets beaten up and three people walk past and it's which one's gonna help them. Um, And it's not the person you expect, it's the person that's often been demonized that is actually is the person who steps up to make a difference. But uh, in this experiment, they didn't use Samaritans, they used Man United fans. Uh, <laughs> which may have been demonised as well. Um, but uh, they did this experiment at Lancaster University. Um, and the way the experiment worked was they found, uh, I think they had about 30 or 40 Man United fans. And one by one, they brought them in to do this experiment. Um, and they gave them a questionnaire. And the questionnaire was, um, I want you to think about what does it feel like to support your team? They got them to focus on how do you feel about the other people who support your team? And so they, they really focused in on your team. And then they said, ah, oh, there's a video we need you to watch. You need to go across the car park. And as they crossed the car park, they interacted with someone who'd had an accident. And the question was, would they help them? Now, what happened in this experiment was fascinating. The people who fell over, had three different t-shirts on, they did it with different ones. Some had a Man United top on, some had a Liverpool top on, fierce rivals. Some had a plain t-shirt on. Now you probably won't be surprised to find out who do you think they helped. They helped most likely the one in the Man United top. Funnily enough, they didn't really discriminate between the Liverpool supporter and the person in a plain t-shirt. They just didn't seem to notice them as much as the one who they thought were like them and saw the world their way. But then they did the experiment a second time, and what was interesting the second time they did it is they changed the questionnaire, and the second time they said, I want you to think about It was with different people, by the way, so they could kind of make it objective. They said, we want you to think about what it feels like to be a football fan. What do you love about football? What is it about the beautiful game that makes you come alive? And how do you feel about other people who love football as well? And then sent them across the car park to watch a video. They interacted with these people who had a Man United top, a Liverpool top, or a plain T-shirt. What do you think happened? They were as likely to help someone in a Liverpool top as they were someone in a Man United top kind of overlooked the person in the plain t-shirt. Now, there are all kinds of factors that go on in that experiment, but what it struck me as is the people that we think of as like us, we're a lot more likely to help, and we're a lot more likely to overlook people who we don't think are like us. Um, I think there's a real challenge there then of how we perceive each other and what we see. Because it's easy to think, oh, I'd never be like those people in history that did those awful things. But I think it's easy to actually look at the way the world is today and say, what messages are you being given about people who are acceptable and people that are being demonised? People that maybe, I think there are some stark examples right now at the moment of people who have been demonised in society because of decisions they've made or haven't made. I think it's important to ask ourselves, what are we hearing? And what are we being asked to focus on in general? Because what we focus on is going to determine how we treat those people. Right, I want to invite our band up for the next song because I think there's a question for us, what does it take to look beyond these isms and get to a point where we say, won't you be my neighbour? Especially those people that we don't see the world the same way as, can we actually embrace them with that? And the next song is about the challenge of loving those that we see as unlovable and reaching the people that seem unreachable to do what seems Impossible, and it does seem impossible, but it is to forgive. So, enjoy the song. Okay. So, part one, we talked about how the prism of an ism that we look through when we have our fixed beliefs can create these categories of people, one of which is we demonise certain people that we think are in that out-group. And we've seen the dangers of that, like we said. The extreme examples of these genocides where an ism like fascism or tribalism Cause people to justify behavior that they wouldn't normally think was acceptable. It caused them to overlook their humanity just to see them as the enemy. Now, I think there's an equal danger on the other side of the coin where we can angelize certain people or ourselves, where we think we're somehow superhuman because we do tick all of these boxes. And I think that can be just as healthy and cause probably more heart attacks because you feel like you need to aspire to this level that's superhuman when actually I think there's something to celebrate about being human that's actually better than this angelized version of ourselves. Now, in the clip we just watched, Mr. Rogers' wife, Joanne, is asked, what's it like to be married to a living saint? You ever been asked that? (laughs) No. Uh, And her answer was, I'm not fond of that term, because if you think of him as a saint, then his way of being is unattainable. The thing about Mr. Rogers, he was just so lovely all the time. Um, But it's easy when our externals seem to be so lovely all the time to get this idea that somebody is superhuman. There's this idea of um, uh, imposter syndrome, where I think I've had a bit of it this week. We think, I just haven't got what it takes to do this thing. And it's because we look at the world from the inside out. I know everything I'm thinking and feeling. um, But all you see of me is the outside so it's easy to look at somebody on the outside who seems a certain way and Instagram and social media con- uh, what do you call it uh, culture that's the word I'm looking for it is great at saying like look at the outside portrayal of myself but actually there's a power in being really honest and I know for me that's a big challenge in my life is to not portray things as shiny all the time but actually portray the honest humanity in things so she says if you think of him as a saint then that way of being is unattainable now, um, it's, I think it's the fact of his humanness that makes his loveliness so powerful. Just like in the, uh, when we think of all these awful genocides, the power is in remembering that they were human beings that did that, not that they were monsters. And in the same way, the people that we admire it's remembering that they are human and it is possible to, for us to actually grow and evolve and learn new things and change. Um, I found out this week that there are actually different saints in different cultures. Obviously, Christianity has this idea of saints that are apparently, according to Google, a person acknowledged as holy or virtuous. I read that and I thought, what, all the time? Like, holy and virtuous all the time? I think that's what's really unrealistic when we see the world through the prism of an ism. You see certain people categorized as, well, they're holy and virtuous. Really? All the time? I think... The the benefit of relationships is we get to know that people are entirely human. Another uh, situation in which we angelize people is limerence. Hands up if you know what limerence is. If you don't, this might save your life or your marriage or your relationships in any situation because limerence is that honeymoon period you have when you first meet someone where it's like... they just, we just get on so well, and we've got everything in common. I was talking to, a, we have a student at home, uh, she's an actress who's working at the theatre at the moment, and she said uh, she just met a cast, and she said, I think we might we might all get a flat share at some point, because we just get on so well. And I was like, how long have you known these people? Because <laughs> maybe just like three days isn't enough to really realize their true humanity, whether you want to live with them. And I think that idea of limerence is... When you start to see the differences and you see the humanity, it's very easy to go, mm, yeah, you're not like me, are you? I want to keep my distance. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so other cultures have these saints as well. Buddhism has Arhats. Islam has Wali. Judaism has the Zaddiks. And I think nowadays we call them celebrities as well, don't we? There are people in, in culture that we kind of elevate to this status, um, I have one of my favorite bands is a band called Dirty Loops. Um, we went to see them in Copenhagen a few years ago. They are wicked and their like, CDs sound so perfect <laughs> and everything is so like, in time and in tune the whole time. But the reality is when you see someone live, you're like, ah, they make mistakes as well. And they get really frustrated when they can't get it right. And they don't always sing in tune as well. People say never meet your heroes, don't you? But maybe we should because then we realize actually the value of humanity. Okay, Chris once said that humility is the ability to make an accurate assessment about oneself. And I think what isms do is they stop us making an accurate assessment about ourselves. Because we can just say, oh, I've ticked a box, therefore I don't need to think about the reality of how I live this out in life because I am this. I think, I'm going to go there? Yeah, I'm going to go there. It's easy to think, for example... A complex issue that's been happening over the last couple of years, something like a virus, is complicated. You can't put it in a box and categorise it. And it's easy to think, oh, I'm safe because I've ticked a box. I think the reality that we've all realised the last year is this is way more complicated, our humanity is way more complicated than we would like to put in a little box, isn't it, Yeah. OK, uh, I just want to, before we do the next song, look at minimalist art. Do you remember what we talked about last week with the white paintings? Um, And the controversy around that is about how often we look at something that has this empty space. And we don't like it, it makes us uncomfortable. Um, In the next clip, Mr. Rogers invites Lloyd to engage with the humanity of his journey and his life story. He's been really hurt by his dad because of what happened in the past. And he's still hanging on to that and he's still demonizing his dad. But he invites him into a minute silence to think of all those who've loved him into being. And I think part of laying down our isms and our certainties is embracing the reality that life is complicated and messy. And the people we would love to demonize and categorize, maybe they are actually contributing to our journey of who we are becoming. So, I want to invite you into that minute silence as well. So, as we watch, let's see what comes to mind as those who've been part of our story of loving us into being and making us the humans that we are. Enjoy. Okay, so part one, we looked at how our isms can cause us to demonize certain people. And they can also cause us to angelize certain people ourselves and think that we need to be something that actually we don't need to be. So what's the leveller? Well, I think we need to humanize ourselves. Uh, on my laptop, I have a music program called Logic. Bruce uses Logic, wherever Bruce is. Uh, Logic is used for recording music digitally. Now, over the last 30 years, instead of everybody just going into the studio, playing live and recording it on a tape, you can now edit your music. You can use functions that can correct the pitch. You can use functions that correct the timing. You can hit a button and it all goes, and it fits in the box and goes neatly where it should. But there's... People that have said over the last few years that music seems to have lost it's soul and people maybe struggle to relate to music that's perfect and just fits exactly where it should. So there is now a function, I kid you not, on that machine called humanize. And you go to the humanize function and it takes the notes that you have made all perfect and, well, it humanizes them, it makes them a little bit early. Makes some a little bit late, it makes some a bit shorter, it makes some a little bit longer. And it's fascinating how Anth saying this week digital music for a while was called very sterile, and people kind of complained that this thing that we're trying to be perfect, perfect actually ended up being something that we couldn't relate to. So there's something about humanizing that's about how we relate to each other. So we were thinking this week, what is the real value of humanity? What does it really mean to be human? Um, and it's fascinating how some things just keep crossing your path. Um, I've had this phrase in my head for a couple of weeks about living stones. Do you remember us talking about living stones years ago? About There's a, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about how we are being built together. Um, and rather than a building that's made of bricks, we're being built into this kind of spiritual building, this community out of living stones. Interestingly, in the, in the little narrative of that letter, it says that Jesus was like a living stone. He didn't fit in the box. He was human. In fact, he referred to himself all the time as the son of God. Nope. He referred to himself all the time as the son of man. He was constantly pointing, going, actually, I'm human. Actually, I'm human. And there's something incredibly powerful about our humanity not about those other categories that we want to pop ourselves in. So this phrase had been in my head uh, about living stones and I'd googled it a little bit and found that there is actually a pot plant that you can have in your house called a living stone. And it looks like a rock but it's actually a plant. It's amazing. Uh, so I was chatting to Ames about this going, isn't it amazing? These they look like rocks, but they're actually these living things. And then Kev out of the blue sent me a message about something and in it was this person called Mr Livingstone. She's like, that's a bit weird. And then the clincher yesterday, Amy uh, went to a shop, a garden center somewhere, and she saw this pot that was orange, and I love orange things. She was like, oh, that would be really great for Danny's office. So she picked up the pot. Guess what was inside that pot? There was a little pack of seeds for living stones. It was, uh, I think Phil's got a slide. There you go. How weird is that? Now, what does that mean? I don't know, but let's talk about living stones because they seem to have been crossing our path a little bit. If you build a house out of bricks, everything is the way it should be. But building a community, whether that's the people you work with, whether that's your family, whether that's us as Q, we are not all perfect bricks. We've talked in the past about brickianity, this kind of religious approach to life that's like everybody should conform to be the same way the whole time. That's an ism. That's what ism is. It's saying we have this belief system and you need to conform to this. But being living stones is something completely different. It's about building together. When I think of something that's living, it's moving and it flexes and it grows. And part of that, we know living things, if you've got kids, they make a mess. Even if you haven't got kids, you know they make a mess. All of us as human beings make a mess. And I think that is what humanizes us as well. The fact that we don't fit into these neat little categories. Our welcome video that we have at the beginning every week says, we are here to continue our quest to live fully and love wastefully. What, do you th- what does living fully mean to you? I think it's important to kind of explore that question because I kind of figure that's the point of coming every week and getting together. It's about going, well, just like that Lloyd Vogel guy, I have all this crap from my past that is stopping me living fully. And if I don't deal with that, I'm going to end up being this hard-hearted, rigid person who just categorizes the whole world. When actually what we want to be is alive, isn't it? And fully human and living stones. And I think actually all communities flourish when we realize that actually we are all alive. And I think we can build something together as well because maybe when you're not at your best and you are on a bit of a wobble, which a living stone would do, wouldn't it? I can maybe fill that gap and I can move towards you. But if I'm just demonizing you or angelizing you, then I'm never going to fill that gap because I'm just going to stay in my little box and keep my distance. The second part of that is we are here to live fully and love wastefully. And I think loving wastefully, I don't know, sometimes that phrase really grates on me. I think like, why would you waste stuff? Like, waste seems like a bad thing, doesn't it? Like, and I think that's often the reason why we prefer to categorize people because you think well, I don't want to waste all the love that I've got to give. If I love you and you don't love me back, well, that's wasted, isn't it? I would argue it isn't. Even if it is, I would rather be like that than just stay in my little box because that's what being alive is about. It's about the fact that we mess up and we have our highs and lows. And I think humanity is about embracing all of that. Okay, so last week we had a look at minimalist art and explored the white paintings. If if you weren't here, please go on the blog. The blogs now have all of the videos, all of the talks, and a load of the songs as well, so you can kind of get a whole picture of the meeting. And if you ever want to share them, please share them, because it takes time putting them all together, and we've got these amazing resources on the website, so share them out. Now, the significance of these minimalist paintings is not that the artist is trying to tell you something, or communicate something to you, but instead they act as a mirror to ask what is your reaction to this and what is it bringing to the surface in you? I think forgiveness is a bit like minimalist art because when you forgive someone, what do you say? You say, we're going to wipe the slate clean. We're going to have a fresh page. We're going to have a clean start. But just like when we looked at those white paintings, it brought up different things in different people. Some people look at a white painting and they're like, this is just stupid. And other people are like, this is exciting, this is like potential. And other people look at it and they get creative ideas off the back of it. Other people just see emptiness. Some people see loneliness. I wonder what you see when you look at that blank slate of forgiveness. I wonder whether sometimes the reason we hold on to hurt from our past is because we're afraid of what life looks like when we, when we wipe the slate for ourselves. Because we're no longer defined by those things anymore. We've got to, or we can be something new. We can imagine something new. So how does that fresh slate feel to you? I want you to just consider that this week. Like when you think about the people like Lloyd with his dad, and you think, okay, there are definitely people that all of us in this room have got from our past that we think, nah, do I want a fresh slate? Obviously, it doesn't mean you have to interact with them in a certain defined way, but what would a fresh slate feel like to you? And I think to allow things to come to the surface in you to explore that is worth looking at. I once heard relationships talked about, and someone said, relationships start to die when we believe that the other person is too defined. We stop seeing them as an infinite mystery, was the phrase they said. And I don't know whether with your friends or your family or your partners, whether you think, I know how they're going to react in every situation. I've pretty much, I know them inside out. I've got, their, I've got them bagged. I've got them in a box and defined. I think we lose some of the power of our humanity when we overly define it. So those people, maybe in your relationships that you're struggling with, maybe give them a chance to surprise you, to give, them, to give you a new experience of them. I think, again, that's part of our humanity that we can grow and we can change and we can learn new things. Now, you might have a fresh start and not change. We'll have another fresh start. That's the beauty of forgiveness and grace, that you can do it over and over. Okay. So can we look at the people we've been demonising and allow space for mystery? We've got one more song to finish with. Have I finished on time? Wow. Man. Um, We may refuse... May we refuse this week to demonise or angelize, but instead resist the temptation to define people with a category, and instead celebrate the freedom and explore the mystery of being human, living stones, with a fresh slate, because whatever our isms have made us in the past, our future is unwritten. So thank you for listening to me this morning. I, it's really a, one of the things that freaks me out a bit about getting up is you realise people don't have to be here, do they? Like, it's not like you bought a ticket and you're like, oh, I've got to come now. It's like, I do appreciate the fact that you've given me your attention and your time, and uh, I hope you've got something out of it that has inspired you. We've talked a lot about the metaphor of um, truth is like an elephant, blind people exploring an elephant that have never seen an elephant before. And one of them is like, ah, yeah, an elephant's like a tree. And the other one's like, no, an elephant's like a spear because they've got the tusk. Another one thinks an elephant's like a big flap. You get the idea all of them are right. All of them have a perspective on truth. Um, And I would love to hear all your thoughts on everything that we've said today, because I might have just explained the back end of the elephant, (laughs) but uh, I want to see the whole elephant. And I think that's another benefit of community that we each bring a different perspective of truth um, so that we can all learn a bit more about what it means to be human. So thank you.
0: Enjoy. Have a nice day. Thanks for listening to another QYork podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget, there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which you are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest.